are listening to Law and Gospel on this Friday, Open Mic Friday, January the 18th in the year of our Lord, 2019. What does it mean to be an Open Mic Friday? It means you can call me with any theological question on your mind. In St. Louis, you simply dial 821-0850. And anywhere in North America... 1-800-730-2727. I'm not promising I'll be able to answer your question, particularly if there is not an answer in the Bible. But if there is an answer in the Bible and I don't know where to find it, I will bring it up on the next broadcast, which is Monday, and answer that question. 8210850 or one 800 Seven three zero two seven two seven, and we're going to start off with a question right away. And here we go. We're going to talk to um, Catherine. Catherine, you're on the air. <laughs> Thank you, um, Kathleen. Oh, Kathleen. Yeah, excuse me. That's fine. Um, earlier this week, you were talking about um, Jesus' first miracle, the turning water into wine. Yes, and and. Something that has always puzzled me that I think you made more clear, and I thank you. Um, you mentioned that the weddings took days. It wasn't like, you know, a couple hours or an afternoon or whatever. It was, um, could be days. And I had a couple questions. One, it, was it usually a certain number of days, or did it just go until everybody finally left? And then the other thing, um, something was said, and I believe the phrase was slightly inebriated, which has always bothered me. I've heard many explanations over the years. But you said that um, um, they had, because it went many, it went many days, and that hit me. I like to have parties, and I like to have people over. And as a good host, I want to make sure there's plenty and it's like, was there perhaps just a miscalculation? They stayed longer than they expected, um, something like that. Um, why they would run out, and it wasn't because everybody was drunk. Yeah. Now, I'll, you know what? I'm going to hang up and listen, okay? Oh, okay, then. Thank you very much for calling. All righty. Um, this is a good example where I'm unable to answer uh, the questions because the Bible doesn't give an answer to the question. It doesn't say how many days this particular wedding lasted. Now, for example, when I did weddings, it wasn't unusual. It would be like three days. Yes, even, in fact, four days. I'm just thinking of another item that occurs during the wedding. Number one, we would have on Thursday night a rehearsal. Then on Friday, we'd have a big meal at a restaurant for the wedding party and parents, etc. Saturday would be the wedding. And then Sunday, we'd often go to the home of the individual who got married to open up the presents and also to finish any food that was left over from the previous uh, day at the wedding reception. So our weddings could actually take four days that people would have to set aside. Now... The other idea, and therefore I'm not really clear from the Bible whether there was a set number of days, they would know it for a particular wedding. 
But uh, how many days it is, I'm unfamiliar with. But there was more than one day, for sure, in these weddings. Being inebriated, you know, that's what the master was saying of the wedding. And he was kind of the chief guardian. He arranged the tables. He was trying to make sure there was enough wine and this sort of thing. Why they ran out of wine, I have no idea. The Bible doesn't say so. Uh, Maybe more people came than they had invited, or maybe some people just wanted to go longer uh, than it was, but it came to a point where there was no wine. Now, the master of this wedding, uh, the chief uh, guardian, so to speak, he made the comment that normally you give the good wine first and then the bad wine. Why? Because you don't have to be totally inebriated in order to, when you taste the second wine, which is supposedly not as good as the first, it doesn't really make that much difference. I, I'm not saying that uh, everybody was intending them to go drunk, although it was kind of interesting. On last night's news, there was a police department that encouraged people to become drunk at a bar that they were at, And the reason for that is they wanted these people who were quite inebriated to then be going through the testing by the police officers. It was kind of an education for the police officers how to check out somebody who was inebriated. So the idea that there was definitely worse wine for the second simply because after you taste some good wine for a while... You may not get totally drunk, but you could be inebriated to the point where it really doesn't matter what the second wine tastes like. And that's what surprised the master of the house. Now, the fact that he could taste the difference showed that he also was not totally inebriated. So I'm I'm not saying that these weddings got people inebriated. I've been to many a wedding, and there are when they have free wine or whatever is a liquor, uh, some people will take one glass and that'll be it for their whole entire meal, whereas others will be going up two or three times. So there's no judgment here on the people at the wedding, and there's no judgment on Jesus that he therefore made more wine so the people could become more drunk. No, there were probably a, a number of people there who were just inebriated to the point where they wouldn't have noticed the difference between bad and good wine. But how many days it was, I'm not sure. Uh, It's not unusual. Like I said, I've been in a lot of weddings where four days are set aside for the various activities. And I'm not even talking about the time, like, for example, on a Friday, a number of times the couple will go out and take pictures around the city. They may go to a lake that they like or a spring or some kind of a building that they want to be in front of. And and so four days was not unusual for the time for a wedding that I participated in as pastor. And uh, the drinking would be different for each person. Uh, More and more weddings now, you actually pay for your drink. And so that lessens the amount that's needed. But why they ran out a miscalculation or whatever, I, I see God's hand here because Jesus had to show what kind of Messiah he was. 
And with the ability to change water into wine, which takes the power of an atomic bomb, if you understand this properly, it wasn't at all strange that Jesus could do that because he was God. He could create from nothing, which he had done at creation, Genesis 1. But here he creates from something, which is water. And it's explained about the way in which that is done. What the nitrogen and the oxygen and all kinds of things have to happen. And for somebody to do that without a big explosion occurring, that that is really just a miracle of miracles. So I hope I answered your question, Kathleen. And anybody else can call with any other question, 821 821- 0850 toll free 1 800 730 2727. While we're waiting for a call, I'd like to continue a little bit what we were talking about with Wes Reimnitz yesterday on whether politics should be a part of the church. And this article had some statements I really kind of disagree with. Uh, For example, it said, church leaders today can find room for political involvement that will not alienate the next generation. Well, I, I think if you're doing political involvement, like maybe having a food bank or helping people find houses or maybe even doing landscaping for some of them, some churches have youth go out and rake up leaves Yeah, that wouldn't alienate the next generation. But if the political involvement means sermons against the immorality of our age, those youth who don't agree with that will have a problem, especially if they don't see anything wrong with a gay marriage or abortion or this sort of thing. So political involvement... That needs to be spoken of in sermons, not because it's political, but because it's the morality of God. And so sometimes that will alienate those who have been taught a different point of view. I'm Tom Baker, and we're going to go to the phone lines again. And hi, Mike, you're on the air. How are you doing today? Excellent. Um. I, I was thinking, you know, about that that part in the book of Daniel, you know, where uh, where that rock hits the feet of the statue, the ten toes, and the statue collapses. Uh huh. Well, you know, it says further that that rock grew into like a large mountain, or at least a mountain. I think, I think it said large mountain. And I was thinking, like, okay, if that was Catholicism that did that, and of course the ten toes was the precursor to the Holy Roman Empire. Then of course the Holy Holy Roman Empire for you know converted uh, Europe to Catholicism and then later it added Protestantism and then after that followed the British Empire which spreaded uh, which sprang from that which spreaded uh, well the Bible and Christianity the Christian message and then from that came the British Empire came the United States which I guess is where most almost all missionary activity exclusively comes from this country, right? Oh no, we've got people from Africa now coming to the United States as missionaries. Why? Because we have 
the need for it. Do you know there are areas here where only 5 or 10% of the people go to church every Sunday? And so that's where they're going to, those areas. In fact, we just put a missionary in Ferguson, Missouri, you know, after that uh, uh, tragedy that had occurred there. So we're even putting missionaries in the United States where they're being asked to talk to the people and try and uh, grow churches. Uh, I don't know if that's the same thing, though, because you're going to areas where Christianity once existed, but... When you go to areas like, say, when the British Empire, when they colonized everything, they were going to underdeveloped countries that never heard of Christianity. And, and of course, you know, these other religions trying to find religious freedom came to the United States. And they, they were, you know, converting, I guess, Indians and people like that. So, I mean, I, I don't know if you could call that missionary work, though. Well, anytime you're talking to people who have not heard that much about Jesus Christ. Remember, the wise men came from an area where you would not have thought that there was much knowledge about the Old Testament, but they had a lot of knowledge because, uh, and, and the book of Daniel talks about that, where Daniel was able to convert a number of people to the true faith mm-hmm. because of his actions and his words. So I just think a mission activity in talking to individuals even in this country in fact there's some churches that have as you leave the church there's a sign there you are now entering the mission field of the church and it's here in the united states yeah but you know i mean i see this on tv and different shows where on christian stations where that these that these missionaries that they're sending out i mean i mean they're going to places that are that are really just uh I mean, Christianity's just not there. You know, they're they're really, I guess, third world countries, and and of course they even, they're even allowed to go into second world countries now, and you know, and try no, to I'm proselytize. Not, I'm not disagreeing with you there. I had a good friend who went to New Guinea, in, in the in the mountains there, and they had not heard about Jesus Christ, and now we have Lutheran churches even even there. Wow. So there's no doubt. Look at Madagascar. You know, it's now got more Lutherans than we have in the United States. It's amazing. That is something. Yes. Well, I sure appreciate your call, Mike. Thank you you very much. God bless. And we're just going to go down the line and talk to James. Hi, James. You're on the air. Hello, Pastor. Hi. Uh, We'd like to ask a practical question this week. Yes, definitely White Castle. (laughs) So, You're asking uh, where to eat? <laughs> yeah, we, we, well, it's it's a practical question. It's something that uh, oh, we, okay, go ahead. We've been dealing with at the at the job. Okay, uh, is there a difference between relapse and backsliding? And we'd like for you to take a look at uh, two verses for us and expound on them. Those two verses are Proverbs twenty, verse one, and Isaiah five. Uh, verse 11. All righty. Okay. Could you leave us? We're having uh, some problem with our listening options. So could you leave us on the line so we can listen uh, while you give your answer? Yeah, no problem at all. Um, when you say you're having a problem with the listening options, is it that um, it's difficult to hear over the radio? Uh, no. Our, uh, something with our Internet is not allowing us to pull up. Oh, uh, I see. Okay. Program. 
Okay. All right, let me start with Proverbs 20, verse 1. Wine is a mocker, strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by it is not wise. So that's in the question about relapsing or backsliding. A relapse I consider to be a falling away from the Christian faith. A backsliding is when we get involved with sin, and therefore I would call this more a backsliding because you're using wine, and that's not wise if it ends up in brawls. Um, in, in fact, it was very interesting that I was listening to a documentary on crime in the United States, and they made the point that 90% of crimes involve either drinking or drugs. I was really surprised at that. And, and that's exactly what Proverbs 20 is saying. So that, in my view, would be a backsliding. Let me read Isaiah 5, uh, verse 11. It reads, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. Now, that could be either a backsliding or a relapse. If that becomes the task, uh, let, let's change drinking to gambling. I know recently of a Lutheran pastor's wife who committed suicide because she had gambled away the funds the husband and her had set aside for the youth uh, in their family, uh, for their sons and daughters. And unfortunately, she was taking the money without his knowledge and losing it in gambling, and she ended up committing suicide. So whether it's drinking or gambling, when you go to that excess, that can become a relapse if I'm understanding the term properly, in the sense of leaving the faith of Christ and going after totally your own self-interest. Now, backsliding it would be, therefore, doing this once or twice and then knowing it's wrong. Every time I sin, that is a backsliding of God's holy word. So... If you're still on the air there, James, is that helpful? That is very helpful, Pastor. That's a great distinction, and uh, uh, we're very glad we, we were able to present it to you. Okay, and I hope the uh, hearing of KFUO uh, gets better there on the Internet for you. Okay? okay. Thank, Thank you, you very much for calling. And that was uh, Mike and James. Uh, appreciated that. And Kathleen, uh, we have time if there is one more caller at 821-0850, toll-free 1-800-730-2727. The phone call with James reminds me of a topic I say all the time. Theology is the art of making proper distinctions. So... Long gospel is definitely a distinction that is the probably the most important one in understanding the doctrine. 
And there's a distinction between justification, that's where God declares you righteous in his sight through faith in Jesus Christ, and sanctification, which is your response to God's gift of forgiving your sins and declaring you sinless in his sight. Now, I find a lot of congregations reverse the order. They put sanctification first. I mean, how many times have you heard, and I I just listened to a um, EWTN, that's the Roman Catholic station, they, they have a lot of good stuff on there, but this time they were talking about the need for you really to become as perfect as possible in order that you can be sure that your sins are forgiven. And I felt very bad in hearing that, e- even though it was on uh, the radio and it was done by a priest. That's a reversal, and it leads to the opinion you're saved also not just by faith, but by faith plus works. And that's sad. All right. Looks like we got somebody on the line here. Let's hear who it is. Oh, they left the line. Okay. So they maybe didn't want to go online. The uh, other distinction, remember when we talk about politics in the church, there's two kinds of politics. The one politics is where Christians can properly disagree over political decisions. Like, how much should you raise taxes? Or how much should you give food to the hungry? And on what grounds should that be given? Christians can disagree upon those because there's no clear word from God. But when it comes to morality, such as the Supreme Court ruled that abortion is okay, gay marriage is okay, that the church should definitely speak out against because that's not politics in the first level where Christians can disagree over it. That's politics in the second level of morality. And... From the article that I was reading, I'm not quite sure whether young people are leaving the church just because we take a stand or because we don't really explain it to them sufficiently. Wes Reimnitz uh, recalled a pastor who told a confirmand to be quiet in asking questions. Uh, She was asking too many questions. That should never occur in a confirmation class, because that's the purpose of confirmation, to ask questions. And therefore, pastors need to listen to the young people, find out why they think that what God considers immoral is not immoral, and then use the scriptures to help them to come to a proper understanding. And it's not possible that you will not alienate certain people when you speak God's word in its purity. In fact, on our next Law and Gospel, which is Monday, we're going to be talking about Jesus' trip to Nazareth where he alienated alienated a lot of people. 
because of his preaching. And in fact, some of the individuals wanted actually to throw him off a cliff. Now, what did he say? Did he say something political? Well, it depends how you define politics, because Jesus did speak politically in one sense. And we'll be looking at that on Monday to help you to understand, number one, even Jesus could not stop from alienating people when he spoke the word of God truthfully. And number two, a number of those people, including his own family, came to recognize him as the promised Messiah. And therefore, they did believe in him later. But it took some time. So pastors should be patient with young people who are contradicting the word of God by helping them to understand why God says what he says and the importance of standing up for God's word. Till Monday, God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.